1: BlueNile.com.
0: This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know that I'm working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes. I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll- Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will Mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland.
1: As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media
0: so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is kind of a trip to sit down with you guys. I know. I don't usually do that on the show. I'm usually with the guy, you know, and um, it's been an amazing journey. And it's taken me to places which I've never
1: would have been. And and, and I, I know everybody. And now, like, I go to some of the
0: reunions. Yeah. And then all the girls, they go, like, hey, Neil, look. Look at that, <laughs> you know, look at that. And I just, wow. And now they have babies. I, I think Katherine and Sean have two or three. Mm-hmm. And I've kept in contact with them, an amazing couple. And now here with you guys. And um, I wish you, like, lots of success. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
0: This is Bachelor Clues.
1: Wowie clues of fantasy suites from hell. I mean, la
0: Worse than hometowns in my opinion, but just before (laughs) we get into this, it's good to have you back, Pace Case. We missed you here in the Gore Pit on Friday, but you were off doing important work other gore business that needed tending to
1: yes i decided that i couldn't take on a four episode podcast week and yet here i am we're doing a four episode podcast week and it's it's christmas week this week i'm starting to get in the holiday spirit and during some of my insomnia this week i wrote a little christmas gift for you clues which i will Mm. present to you at the end of this episode.
0: I am flabbergasted. I can't wait for whatever this Christmas gift is, and I really, truly hope that it makes up for how fucking miserable this episode was of The Bachelorette.
1: I mean, I didn't make it. I found it deep in the pit.
0: Well, thanks, everybody, for slogging through this season. Pace Case and I were just talking about this tonight as we were watching this show. This season really is historic in many ways, and now we are starting to see that perhaps... One of the biggest ways is that it's terrible. The end of this is a train wreck that is completely boring. Every twist they try to throw at us, you see coming a mile away. Tonight, Ben came back. It was like, okay, we knew that was fucking happening. Absolutely no drama whatsoever. There's no competition between the guys. This, The end of it, playoffs forward so far, falling very flat.
1: I mean, if they wanted drama... Don't put Ben LL4ing in your promos from last week. We knew it was going to happen. We didn't see that footage.
0: All this season, they have blown their own secrets in their promos, in the shit they're putting on Instagram. They just have spoiled the entire season for us anyway. It's just been a bad season. I mean, let's be real. Some very historically important things. Some things in terms of cultural significance. Incredible. Some of the best we've ever seen. But does that come at the cost of the drama that we like? The twists and the turns?
1: I would argue that it's not. I would argue that both of those are related to COVID. They are getting into the BLM stuff due to the Black Lives Matter movement resurgence this year. And all the production value is totally shitty because of COVID and they're filming in quarantine. And I don't think... I think we could still have a season where you get those really emotional, in depth, important conversations and have twists and turns. I think we could have that.
0: Hopefully, that'll be Matt James' season because it ain't this one. While we have to applaud the producers in the show for including many of the conversations we never thought we would see in this show about race, about mental health, about suicide, very serious subjects that are affecting. Countless people in America right now and globally.
1: More now than ever.
0: That's all been very good. But these hometowns, these fantasy suites, miserable. With that said, <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> and now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game, This. Is Game of Roses.
1: We start with a wonderful voiceover by Dark Lord Harrison, DLH. He says, Will Tasha finally find her soulmate or will she lose her chance at love forever? This <laughs> false dichotomy right off the bat.
0: <laughs> That's always how they position this. Pace Case and I did the hyperbench. We watched every episode of The Bachelor front to back episode one season one to episode 13 season 24 that's how they do except for some nine episodes we did watch the first episode of nine but we didn't see the rest of the season at any rate all the bumpers that dark lord harrison does in every season always say shit like this will this person find the love of their life or be destroyed for all time that's always what they're positioning here. As though love cannot be found outside the game.
1: Or it's positioning it as, will she end up with him? Or will she lose her chance to marry a doctor forever? <laughs> but we see Tasha pondering on her balcony. She's riding the hive hometowns. And the guys are pondering on a daybed on the fountain, etc. They have this awkward conversation in the rec room of the top three guys. B- Brandon says "Fancy suites are especially important for him because it would be his second marriage. And Zach says, yeah, I don't think there's anybody who wants to stack divorces. <laughs> <laughs> Zach is like, he's coming in with some one-liners. He's doing a little colorful narrator turn this episode,
0: which I enjoyed. Yeah, it was an interesting turn of a phrase. What I really took from this scene was that there is no element at all of competition amongst these guys. They're just like chilling out like, yep, it's a little weird. Here we are, huh? And I don't know if this, again, we we talked about this on Hometowns where they all hugged after they are selected as the final three in the end of it. I don't know if it's because they've had to go through this crazy compressed situation where they're all locked down in La Quinta and it has forged some kind of a closer bond between them that prohibits what would normally be a competitive adversarial relationship. Or if it's just that these guys are kind of nicer guys than they've ever cast, I don't know what the (laughs) truth of it is, but there's a big element that is missing from these final three guys and it's the aggression. It is the competition. Yeah.
1: You don't have the, uh, I'm thinking of Hannah Sluice, Madison Pruitt, Victoria Fuller. You have the other two besides Madison talking shit about how Madison's not going to fuck and how she gave the ultimatum to PP.
0: Remember when Luke P came back on Hannah Brown's season and Tyler, Cameron, Jed and PP fucking like muscled up on him? Do you remember that shit? Yeah. They were going to kick his fucking ass. And Hannah moved the rose
1: pedestal. Hashtag feminism.
0: We're getting none of that here. None of that. Now it's just bros fist bumping and doing hugs.
1: Yeah, they didn't... I mean, you really need more aggressive characters to make it farther. I mean, when is the last aggressive player that we lost? Yosef. Yosef. God. I don't miss him. I don't wish he was in this final three. (laughs)
0: no i mean bennett and noah certainly fulfilled that role that was kind of the last taste of it we got i suppose then we go back to Tasha's room where yo 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 has materialized once more and once more she has a plate set before her a giant plate full of countless rolls donuts and danishes And of course, none of them are touched. Once again, Taisha has supposedly laid out this glorious breakfast food spread for JoJo, 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 and not touched, just sits there.
1: The scone zone is back, baby. (laughs) (laughs) JoJo, 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 and Taisha have more scone zone talks, talk about moving, jobs, kids. That's JoJo's advice for fantasy suites.
0: And says something interesting here. She says, it's good to have JoJoJoJo jo, jo, jo back for one last, in quotes, girl chat. This is a phrase used by producers to describe any moment where they are forcing women together to have specific conversations about whatever their dramatic line might be for that episode. So this can refer to what you see here, which is technically a council of the crown, where you have two uh, bachelorettes talking to each other. Or it can refer to any time you have multiple female players talking about another player or a date or anything like that. If it's women talking, it is girl chat. If it is guys doing it, it's guy chat. And here she's using the language right in the document and the producers put it right in as well.
1: This season will have had the most counts of Crowns we've ever seen. We had Deanna Pappas, we had Jojo, and we're going to have Rachel Lindsay.
0: We had double Jojo too.
1: JoJo, of course, relays her experiences. Fantasy Suites took all my relationships to that next level. It is so rewarding when you get to the end, and it's so clear who you're supposed to be with. Obviously, A. Robo. Back at the rec center, DLH enters. He tells the guys, wow, 31 players down to three. Congratulations. And he lays in that they're going to have these foregoing conversations where you're going to... Choose whether you forgo your individual room or if you're going to fuck slash realize if you're ready for an engagement.
0: And he delivers the first fantasy suite date card.
1: You don't normally see fantasy suite date cards because usually the guys are not all together.
0: The first date card is for Ivan. It says our love is timeless and he is granted this gift by the producers of First Entry. He pumps his fists, he smiles, and he says he's going to make the most of it.
1: I called it that he would be first. Because I think they want the first one to be not the person that she's most excited about so that she's more likely to do overnights with more of them.
0: That's totally possible. You did call this right on the fucking money. And Ivan leaves to get ready for his date. And then Zach and Brennan kind of laugh about it. <laughs> Brennan is like, it's weird to not have the first fantasy suite. And Zach ITMs that he trusts what he and Tasha has. And he says that it's not about what Ivan and Tasha or Brennan and Tasha, It's about Tasha, period. But again, we get this moment after Ivan leaves to go on this date where Zach and Brennan just are kind of laughing about it. There Zach says, no, I would let my
1: sister date him. It's, it's all love. <laughs>
0: Not only do they have no animosity, they're actually supportive of one another in this endeavor in which they're actually competitors, but they don't seem to be at all. Then
1: we get to the day portion of Ivan's fantasy sweet date. He loads love level three, says, I am falling in love with Tasha." Would you count this as a hooju?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> There were no hoo in any of these fantasy suite dates. This okay, was Ivan. I'm
1: backspace that. <laughs> <laughs> Take that out of the data.
0: <laughs> this was Ivan running up to her, slow jog. She waits for him, hugs him, and then he kind of lifts her up, and she lifts a couple of legs off the ground. There's no running. There's no jumping. There's barely hugging here. It was a travesty. All right. But she mentions that he's sweaty and she says she has a way to cool them off. And she takes him to this little station where there are two ice baths. And then she pulls a sheet off a big sign that reads the world's longest, coldest kiss. (laughs) There is a tradition of Guinness record kisses on this show. Carly Waddell and Evan Bass have the longest habanero pepper kiss, which they performed in season five of Paradise, I think, or season four, maybe.
1: Sean Lowe and Leslie Murphy on their one-on-one date in season 17 of Bachelor did the longest on-screen kiss.
0: This idea of breaking kissing records is deep in the veins of this game, and here we see it coming out again in a stranger form they're gonna a have torturous to in form <laughs> ice bath i would argue the habanero pepper kiss was also a torturous form i would even argue the on-screen thing is mm-hmm. torturous to have to stand there even if you're not dunked in ice or fucking filling your face with habanero peppers <laughs> to have to like have your lips touching someone's face for fucking six seven eight nine ten minutes that's a little crazy
1: As DLH says, if this relationship's going to last, we got to put it to the test. You got to. This is just how you make love. Carly and Evan have had kids together. Leslie Murphy. I don't know. I think she got a hometown.
0: (laughs) So we know it works. The kiss contest definitely (laughs) fosters love. So DLH emerges to tell them the rules of this. He, by the way, is wearing a full blazer and not sweating at all. Tell me how that's possible. He is the devil. (laughs) So he tells them the record for the longest, coldest kiss stands at five minutes and 16 seconds, which immediately makes me wonder who the fuck has that record and who the fuck would ever even think to do this. But two other motherfuckers set, I guess, in ice baths for five minutes and 16 seconds prior to this at some point in the world. And it was recorded.
1: I mean, there's a polar bear plunge community. People love to do this. So it doesn't surprise me that people would make it mm-hmm. sexual as well.
0: So they go to get changed and they're going to get in the tanks. And then we have this other kind of low rent thing that gets tacked into this date. DLH brings out Big Polly, who's kind of a utility player from the production staff. He's kind of like a do-anything right-hand man type of guy. He has appeared in other episodes, other seasons.
1: Yeah, he's opening limo doors, et cetera. DLH pulled him up in a tag of one of the one of their reunion specials
0: and big Polly is going to basically be playing the fred willard to dlh in what is a completely unnecessary judging of this event so and i would come out they get in the tubs it's very cold they've got crazy looks on their face this is uncomfortable oh my god i can't believe we're doing this we can accomplish anything and DLH is then forced to do the strange narration of the event, and he engages Big Polly in what I think was the strangest moment of this entire episode. <laughs> he weaves a narrative about Big Polly being found on a glacier as a child, so he must know something about the cold. And then Big Polly says if he has any advice for them, they should just let their body parts fall off as they freeze. And then DLH gives some bad information about hypothermia.
1: Polly is not able to to do this tit for tat jokes with Dark Lord Harrison. I feel like Dark Lord Harrison was used to Fred Willard, who, you know, is a professional comedian and Polly is just saying random shit. And it was fascinating. And for this reason, Big Polly was why. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week.
0: I didn't know that that was possible for him to be a Jorge Moreno Why because not? he's he's part of the show. He's like DLH. And Gita isn't part of the show. No, they hired her for that episode. You know, Big Polly has worked on the show for Fucking decade. We've given
1: it to producers. We gave it to two different producers when
0: Claire was crowned. That's true. All right. He's my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Also,
1: Give it to Big Polly. He needs it. D- Dark Lord Harrison is saying, How, is, how do you think this is going to affect Ivan's performance in the Fantasy Suite date tonight? To Polly, he says, Not good. It's a very, uh, it's kind of like what we're doing sports ESPN evaluation of uh, romantic plays.
0: Then they start synchronized breathing, and that supposedly makes it easier. We get an underwater shot of Ivan grabbing Tasha's ass. And of course, they beat the record and keep going. They stay in the icy waters for well over a minute longer than they need to. They set the new record at 6 minutes, 36 seconds. Big Polly and DLH present them with a trophy. And there's confetti that flies from the trees, I suppose. Streamers from the trees. <laughs>
1: Gita is shooting the streamers all over them. That's what I like to picture happened.
0: And I know this is COVID. I know all of (laughs) that. This is a fucking fantasy suite. These dates are supposed to be the most romantic of all dates in the entire season. This is when you're supposed to allow the couple to form the strongest romantic connection, the final bond that is going to ultimately make the lead's choice very hard and get their emotional levels up so high that when she dismisses one of them, it is nervous breakdown. That's what you're hoping for. That's what a producer's hoping for anyway, I should say. And here they've done the exact opposite. They've made Ivan participate in this thing that is foolish at best, not entertaining at all, It was just pointless. I couldn't believe they were doing this. And then it even gets fucking worse. This isn't the end of Ivan's fantasy sweet date.
1: This is the beginning of Ivan's torture. Justice for Ivan. Portion three starts with the rec room again. Brendan says he's letting his mind drift off to something in order to distract himself. And uh, Zach says... It's more trusting Tasha to do what she needs to do to get clarity on who she wants to be her husband. And Zach gets the second fantasy suite date, which he celebrates with an ITM, an in-the-moment interview, where he does a Matthew McConaughey impression. All right, all right, all right. Colorful narrator.
0: And his date card says, let's explore each other. And he's happy about that. He says, I'll take it to Brendan. And Brendan ITMs that he's having trouble knowing she might be having an experience with another man. And then night falls on Laquinta and we get the back half of Ivan's fantasy suite. This is the insult added to the prior injury. He ITM loads that he is at LL3. They go to a little dinner table set up and they talk about how they broke the record and they can accomplish any goal they set their mind to. They can take over the world. That phrase is repeated again and again with them. And the producers were trying to use the ice bath as a method by which they could convey to us. That's their story together. They're like a power couple who can achieve these crazy goals, including sitting in an ice tub and kissing each other.
1: First bachelorette and ring winner to both be black.
0: Both be mixed both be mixed. Tayshia is African American and Mexican. Ivan is black and Filipino.
1: Ivan then does this very fascinating conversation, which sort of led me to believe he might be in the pit. Ivan basically goes through a history of his love levels with Tasha. He starts it by saying, the word love, it just means so much to me. He invokes a sacred word. And then he says that you know, he's told her that he likes her, love level one. Um, I know I've told you I've liked you, but I started falling in love with you a couple weeks ago, love level two, and it's more than that at this point. I am undoubtedly falling in love with you right now, love level three. He says, sorry, I haven't said it. I've sort of glossed over it. And Tasha, love level three is back to him. I definitely have been falling for you, too
0: this was definitely my highlight of this date and i agree with you when he started saying this shit i was like this motherfucker's been listening to our podcast to Mm -hmm. outline all three of those love levels like that and a to even understand that love level two exists most players don't most players (laughs) use one three and four two is an exotic it does get used here it got used tonight obviously but for him to go back through And to use the love levels as a map of the escalation of his feelings about her is fucking genius. And she even says in the beginning of this conversation that he was the first person she could break down a wall with. So even that gets brought back into this kind of little recounting of their history, the different plays basically that they've made and why he's there. This is kind of his highlight reel for her. And uh, I don't know, I fucking loved it. I loved when he said this shit, especially when he brought in L2, because like I said, you just don't get to see that very often. It's a rarity (laughs) and it's really a thing of beauty because if more players knew about it and more players used it well, you can really lengthen your love level game. That gives you at least another week. Sometimes you can pull an extra two weeks out of that.
1: And it is a progression. You can say, I'm starting to fall in love with you and then later be like, I'm falling in love with you, and it will have that impact because it is a different level. I thought this was accidentally played; it was almost my play of the game. But me too. There was other plays
0: to be made. <laughs> yeah, there were. <laughs> but then Tasia produces the fantasy suite card. She hands it to him to read. This is a. Sacred rule in our beloved game the lead never reads. The lead always (laughs) passes the card to the player. The player is always the one who reads the sacred invocation of the sexual ceremony. Should you choose to forego your individual rooms, please use this key to stay as a couple in the fantasy suite. Signed, Chris Harrison. These are the exact words that have been emblazoned on every fantasy suite date card since season one. They will never change. It is like the fucking Ten Commandments carved into stone. And here we see it for the first time this season, proving that this is indeed a real season. Nothing counterfeit has happened to you. Whatever happened in the beginning, that shit's all over. This is a real fantasy suite sanctioned by the show. You hear the sacred fucking words. The invocation is read. And of course, Ivan accepts.
1: Ivan accepts. 100% yes. Great. You want unbridled enthusiasm in this moment says we can talk more uninterrupted time and they walk 10 yards to the fantasy suite and what is it it's a fucking airstream trailer
0: it's an insult
1: they are staying at a resort the only thing that is worse than the hotel that they're staying at is this Airstream. It is worse, even, than the infamous Becca Krufer and Ari uh, fantasy suite, which was a twin-size bed in a tent in the desert. I believe they were in Peru. I mean, at least the Airstream has a toilet, I guess. That's the only thing it has going for it. But it was tiny. Taisha gives him a tour and tries to be like, look, there's a little nook we could have breakfast at. Just an absolute fucking nightmare.
0: That next morning, they're getting the fuck out of that thing as quick as they can to yeah. go sit outside and eat some fruit. But overall, the fantasy suite is, at least thematically, supposed to be about this couple having a moment to themselves where they can get lost in each other where they can really build the romantic component of the relationship, the final component, really, before she has to make the big decision between the last two players. There's often a
1: jacuzzi in the hotel room.
0: Here, there's no jacuzzi. There's not even really room to move. Yes, it's supposed to be cozy. It's supposed to be intimate, but it's not. It's just terrible. And I'm wondering, is there an air conditioner in there at least? Are they just in this fucking tin can sweltering in the summer heat? It was unbelievably bad. And like you're saying, they're at a fucking resort. Can't they just put them in the nicest suite like they fucking literally do with Zach in the next? Yeah.
1: Do literally just use Zach's and just like use different bedding. That would be better. They have like a boom boom room on love island they call it the hideaway and they literally just redress it to make it like oh there's new a new color bedding and like different candles and stuff they could have at least done that
0: <laughs> they could have done almost anything to make this better than this it was just so bad i felt bad for ivan i felt bad for Tasha. And in some ways, it seemed almost like it was a punishment or like they were purposely trying to sabotage this relationship, which obviously is a common strategy by producers, but usually not once it gets to fantasy suites. Or if they are trying to sabotage the relationship, it's not this overt. Usually it's through the mechanics of having other players be involved and there being some animosity or somebody's in a fight or something. This is just straight. Bringing a
1: skeleton, an ex-boyfriend.
0: Right. This was just straight... Fuck you.
1: (laughs) I mean, I agree.
0: (laughs) Nonetheless, she ITMs that Ivan is everything to her. And the last shot of this fantasy suite night portion we get is her coming out, shutting the door and the lights go out in the trailer, which is indicative of sex happening. We don't know if that's true. But that is at least what the show is conveying to us.
1: By the way, Ivan does a small little good move here when they do, they have champagne and donuts. And Ivan tells her that his dad called him out and said, son, I think you're a step away from love. And he says, cheers to my dad for recognizing the real Ivan. I thought this was good on a few different levels. It's, it's a prepared toast and it's, referring to him describing all the love levels again and it's got that little touch of his father and the hometown date which he knows that he nailed his father has apparently instagram fan pages already
0: do you think his dad listens to our (laughs) podcast
1: no i'm pretty sure there's very few people in that age
0: group who do but maybe the next morning dawns with portion number four. Ivan and Tasha emerge from the forced confinement of the Airstream trailer to eat fruit outside the trailer. He ITMs that they stayed up all night talking and are both tired. He kisses her, he walks off into the early morning sun of La Quinta, and comes into the common room. We are meant to believe that this is continuous action. He has just left Tasha and is now just entering the common room where he does a fist bump with all the guys and he gives (laughs) them some details about the dinner and the fantasy suite being fun and cool and he tells them they did not sleep. He says that. We did not sleep. And the guys can take that to mean whatever they want, that they were talking all night, that they were having sex all night, whatever. But it is put out there. The information is given. They did not sleep. So we now know Tasha has been 24 hours without sleep.
1: Brendan does a interesting little question you here he says did you get time in the morning did you get a fancy sweet number one part three yes they did we saw the sunrise Ivan says and he demands to know the verbiage from Zach's date card
0: <laughs> and Zach once again reprises it says we're gonna explore each other <laughs> I'll take it ha 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 Zach <laughs> gives them each a handshake and a goodbye and he's got a date to go on he then leaves the room ivan has come in the room one minute prior from literally being on a date with Tasha, as we're led to believe now this is at least what's in the document zach then walks out of the room a minute later to go find Tasha, now wearing different clothes obviously but still we assume has not slept so are we now to believe that the producers are just keeping her on a three day cycle? Are these guys literally going back to back to back minutes apart on their fantasy suite dates and she gets no reprieve. That's what it seems like. That's what they're putting in the document for us. I don't know how they edited it. I don't know what the truth is. That is what this seems like. And in most other fantasy suite rounds, it doesn't seem like that. It seems like the lead gets a day, maybe or at least half a day, you know, something, some buffer between them.
1: I bet she got an hour. I just think they're trying to, you know, I don't, I kind of assumed it was back to back days, even in normal production. So this didn't seem that weird to me, but.
0: I guess it seemed weirder to me, too, because Ivan says they didn't sleep and now she's expected to go on another date immediately without any sleep. Isn't that incredibly detrimental to whatever that relationship is, whoever they're putting on that second date?
1: Yeah, but it's not detrimental to the production.
0: It's positive if she's sleep deprived for them. Of course. I'm not saying the production gives a shit about any of these people. They don't. They're trying to destroy them. This to me was just a very open way they were doing it. Usually they try to hide it a little bit so that it's not that heavy handed. Here they're just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're sending her on a 72 hour sleepless extravaganza with guys back to back to back.
1: I mean, I think they should do it. I think they should do the handoff when she's at the balcony. Zach's walking up. Uh, er, Zach's walking up as Ivan is retreating.
0: You know what they should have? Fist bump. They should have a, like a purple rose or something. Some kind of fantasy suite rose. And it's like when you're holding that, you're on the fantasy suite. And then you (laughs) give it to the other guy and he takes it and goes on the fantasy suite. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Oh, fuck. Portion five begins... Zach and Tasha meet up. They kiss. Zach ITMs that he can't wait to explore. And he keeps saying the word explore. They go to the spa. They get in some robes. And they come out. And they start squirting paint all over each other. And rolling around on a giant canvas. Now, this, of course, is another time-honored tradition. That, once again, Carly Waddell and Evan Bass had this exact same date on their season of Paradise. Literally the same thing. Squirted paint on each other. Rolled around on a canvas. I need They're both just canvases. recreating Evan and Carly's greatest moments this episode. They fight with the paint. They lay in the paint. They imagine what their lives would be like together covered in paint. They shower off the paint. This is basically their whole... By the way, Zach reprises
1: his prone game, reminiscing of his fountain play, and keeps laying Tayshia on the ground and making out with her. The chemistry is, you know, Zach's might as well be called Zack Chemistry Game because he is killing it with these and he keeps putting her down on the ground. He will reprise it once again in the fantasy suite.
0: Portion six is that night. They go to a little dinner under a bell in the top of a building. Zach ITMs that she reconnected a wire in him and he's going to tell her how he feels. He tells her that when they first kissed, She said he was different and trouble, and he knew he had a shot because it takes someone to recognize that he is a little different. That's the only kind of person he could wind up with. She then says she has something she wanted to bring up with him. And the look on her face tells us it's serious and maybe not something good. And she brings up what his mom told her about him not wanting to have kids. And I got to say, when I saw this obstacle pop up, I was like, fuck, is this it? Is he sunk? Is this the end of what was an amazing, super impressive fucking run through the game? No, it is not the end. It is simply one more thing for Zach to use to display his incredible game sense. He tells her that it was his walls game. He says, I had my walls up. I was just saying that to be a tough guy. I want to be single and never have kids. In reality, he does want kids. He wants a family. Those things don't scare him. And it's Tasha who brought that out in him, who made him realize it, who put him back together again, who made him fucking whole. And then she says she feels like there's something else. And we know Tasha is a master at pulling out the next thing. She did it with Ben on their one-on-one. Here she gets Zach to open up a little more. And this was my...
1: Play, 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 play of the
0: game.
1: It was also my play, 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 play of the game.
0: He takes her hands and he looks deep into her eyes and we know what's coming she doesn't know she thinks maybe this will be something serious and bad but no not at all He tells her he loves her LL4. She LL4s him back. And then he does this brilliant fucking cherry on top where she says, I don't know. Everything's so good with us, but I'm just trying to find things that are wrong. And he says, what if there's nothing wrong? And then he just fucking kisses her midsense. He doesn't even Stops let her. her protest. Yes. <laughs> Fuck.
1: By the way, this love level four speech was exquisite. He says, I made a promise to myself when I came here to be honest, to be authentic for TRR, for the right reasons. This light you've turned on, I feel something very strong. I know that I love you. I love your smile, your strength. I love the human being you are. I think it's important for you to know that. It was just... And her reaction to it in her ITM is exactly perfect. She says that... What feels the best about it is the sincerity, the 4TRR, the way he says it is so intentional, natural, organic. He conveys this to her in a way that she believes, and she fucking love level fours on the spot back to him. You don't get a better love level four than when you get a love level four back, especially fantasy suites when there's still three people left.
0: It was the best play of the game, obviously. I mean, that's why it's both of our plays of the game. This shit was masterful. Have I convinced you? (laughs) Well, the thing that is interesting about it, too, is, you know, Ivan made a good play. Certainly. He did his history of love levels, and he gets up to love level three. What he doesn't know at this point, Zach was at love level three two fucking weeks ago. You're out gamed here. You're playing a game that's two weeks old the same night or at least the same 24 hour period that you love level, level three he's love level four and he's always a step ahead you're basically fucked now the danger in doing what zach did and we'll see how it bears out is that you don't have anywhere to go from here there isn't really no. a love level five we have joked about one but there isn't really one
1: <laughs> our joke about it is one that pp did where he said my love for you is doesn't even exist it's beyond all space of time or something
0: yeah <laughs> 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 that's still technically a level four, but that's a love level five only pp can do a level level five it's the cringe love level <laughs> <laughs> here zach might have burned out too fast we'll see what happens i was gonna say next week but we'll see what happens tomorrow night if i have an ll4s yeah if i have an ll4s that might carry more weight now because zach's gonna have to do something to potentially counteract that unless she's already made up her mind which is obviously possible as well
1: i bet we're gonna see zach (laughs) attempt a love level five that doesn't work he's gonna kiss her he's gonna force her down onto the ground at the final rose pedestal we're gonna see our first prone game at the pedestal
0: i'm ready for that i am very ready for (laughs) first prone at the pedestal first prone pedestal
1: yeah first prone pedestal Uh, prone pedestal
0: if only pp would have done a prone pedestal then they go to the fantasy suite and their fantasy suite is not an airstream trailer their fantasy suite is what looks like a fucking private home it's in a
1: building It's indoors.
0: (laughs) It has multiple stories, a well-made bed, bathrooms, there's all kinds of shit. They lay on the bed and kiss and the lights go out in this room. And again, this is conveying to us that they are consummating this relationship.
1: An implied consummation. And there's some weird filming going on during this. Did you notice this? They focus on Tasha's lower legs kicking up when they make out on the bed and then they zoom in on her foot again. It is very strange. And I think it's supposed to be like, oh, people's legs kick up when they're kissing people when they're like so in love over
0: the moon. There was some other weird filming that we'll get to later when Ben returns as well that I noted. But yes, there were a lot of things, subtle things in this that you have to really be paying attention for in this episode of Fantasy Suites. That are like, what the fuck are they doing here? Why is there a camera person there? Why are they even including this in the edit? And that was one for me, certainly. These weird shots of... Even when they were doing the ice bath, why did they have a camera under the ice to shoot basically Tasha's ass? Like, that's the only thing you're getting out of that shot. Artsy? I guess. There's some weird choices... And then even after they get the footage back, they choose to include it in the show. That's also strange. At any rate, portion seven begins the next morning. Zach and Tasha wake up and they dance in the bed. And Zach is ITMing that he never dances in a bed. She just makes him so happy. And
1: he has like energetic pastor camp counselor vibes here making her jump on the bed. I'm like, this is exhausting.
0: <laughs> Couldn't agree more. They kiss, they make breakfast, they drink coffee.
1: He's wearing Tasha's robe. Clothes play. I think he played this morning portion very well. They're jumping on the bed, he's wearing Tasha's robe, and he lifts her, puts her down on the bed, prone. Prone play, strikes again. Tasha says, You're trouble.
0: They make breakfast, they drink some coffee he ITMs that he's going to try to keep making her feel like the most desired person in the world for a very, very long time. And he tells her that he hasn't felt this way in a while. He LL4s her again and she demands to hear it again. And he does. She does not say it back here. Maybe she did and they didn't include it in the edit, but we never see it in the document. So that's either Mm -hmm. her choosing not to return it or the producers choosing not to return it because maybe it would, make it too obvious tonnage. i don't know yeah exactly and she once again says that he's so intentional and there's so much meaning behind it when he says it to her and she itms that she's about to have to say some hard goodbyes zach returns to the guys in the common room they sit in awkward silence until they all kind of laugh through the strangeness of the situation and zach tells him that it was a good day and they created art that's what the exploring each other was about and it wasn't easy to leave and then Brendan leaves for his date which apparently again is happening seconds after Zach has returned from his (laughs) um we start Brendan's fantasy sweet date
1: we see a little bird it's been chirping at the grass a little bit representing Brendan an odd little bird and this is my creature of the week (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I forgot the creature. <laughs>
1: it creature? won over the hummingbird that we see in the opening oh, shot. Am I losing Christ.
0: it? <laughs> no, I should have been more on my game. I apologize. I I'm know. gonna put creature of the week is a thing we should do. I'm doing it starting next Great. week. Great.
1: Brendan is, again, loading that he has these walls about proposing. He meets up with Taysha. She says, I want you to meet my friend. And then she ITMs that Brendan is the first guy she started falling in love with. Love level two, after their first one-on-one date. And then... (laughs) Taysha and Brendan enter a room where Neil Lane sparkler king is playing the piano doing a little talent show
0: he's pretending to play the piano he, he can't actually play he also pretends to kind of be surprised by them when they come in oh hi <laughs> i was just happened to be in la quinta playing a piano as i quarantine. do i didn't even know they were <laughs> shooting a show here uh, how are you guys doing it was just so stupid the whole tone of the this, quarantine but.
1: element like takes away from all of these surprises because nothing can be a surprise. They have to quarantine.
0: But nonetheless, we are going to get here the biggest segment of screen time the demon Neil Lane has ever enjoyed in our beloved game in one shot. This was incredible to me. I really enjoyed seeing him, getting to watch his mannerisms. So she introduces Brendan to Neil Lane Brendan has no fucking idea who the man is. I found that very interesting. So that means he's at the very least only seen a couple of seasons and never clocked that this guy was repeating, or he's never seen at least the end of a season. Clues? Yeah.
1: I think even if you watch this show regularly, you might not know who
0: Neil Lane is. His fucking name is in every ring box the money shot of the entire season I know, but from his face come on yes i'm sorry
1: to. i'm just like sometimes i do feel like we are a little you know as two people who are maybe the most consumed by the show of all people on planet earth maybe we assume that viewers of the show
0: would know who he is i don't know
1: he's not seeing the ring i think if he saw the ring first maybe that would associate faster I don't know. Just Devil's advocate. DLH's advocate here. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: I think Neil Lane is probably second only to DLH in terms of repeated screen time of a a show person, you know. What about Sean Lowe? Neil Lane has him crushed. Oh. Neil Lane was doing this fucking six or seven years before Sean Lowe ever was on the show.
1: Yeah, but he's only in like a few minutes. I don't know i also brendan you know he's a little bird
0: (laughs) understood at any rate uh tisha has to explain to brendan who neil lane is and brendan says oh the diamond guy and he's like well i do the rings for the show he's not just a diamond guy neil lane makes sure we know that he does the rings for the show
1: and neil lane uh gives himself some more credentials here says i go to some other reunions i'm friends with sean and Catherine." loved that line
0: (laughs) but before they get to that conversation taisha itms that neil is a really important part of the show i agree and neil lane puts a bunch of diamonds on her wrists and her fingers and he forces them to look at wedding bands and Neil Lane explains a thousand fucking times that his rings are handmade, not machine-made. These are handmade, handmade, handmade. He just keeps repeating it. And this is a infomercial, basically, for Neil Lane rings. This whole thing. It's crazy. Totally.
1: And they purposely put Brendan specifically on this date to fuck with him. Of
0: course. he Brendan ITMs that it's scaring him to look at the rings because he's been here before and marriage means so much and blah, 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 blah. And then... They go and they sit with Neil Lane, and we get Neil Lane now playing the role of DLH, essentially, and I might say, doing it better than JoJo. He sits down and gets them to kind of talk about their feelings toward each other, their relationship, and this is where he talks about all the famous bachelor people that he knows and who has kids and who he's put fucking (laughs) rings on their fingers and shit. It was a
1: beautiful tribute to the sparkler, man. I enjoyed it. It's kind of, you know, they're highlighting Pauly, they're highlighting Neil Lane, they're... It's kind of a uh, nostalgia episode. We've now gotten the the day portions of all the fantasy suite dates. Date one, physical torture. Date two, sex and paint. Date three, emotional torture. Not the usual vibe for fantasy suites. Usually people, they go on a boat, they go to a nice island... (laughs) There's jacuzzis and champagne and chocolate wherever they go and not the same vibe here.
0: And Tasha is now going into her 68th hour of being awake. <laughs> and night falls. They go to dinner at a little table set up by a tree with a bunch of lights hanging from it and I clocked this. I don't know if this is true or not, but to me it looked like this. It looks like the exact same spot where Claire yelled at Yosef, now redressed for this romantic setting. And she says that she's going to be honest. She feels like they had a connection on the first one-on-one, and she could see herself marrying him at the end of this, but she feels like she's been lost because she doesn't know where he is. And this is the tone that sets up the rest of this dinner. He says he agrees with her as far as the first moment they had together. He tells her that the date... That day reinforced the gravity of the moment. The ring is a big deal to him. And he says the past few days and weeks have been challenging. He knew he was ready coming into this. That he wants a wife and kids and family more than anything. But there's still a big part of him that is broken. And he still needs time to heal. There's a big part of him that needs to grow. Because he needs to pick up some pieces. And as much as he wants to be the guy to give her his whole heart, his heart is not whole. This was my Error 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 Of The Game
1: Of course this was also my Error 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 Of The Game I Am Devastated Because I thought he was going to be the ring winner. And I like to be right. But this was such a bizarre move. And it's just, if you are going to exit the game, you got to set up a better storyline than this. Oh, you know, I thought I was into it, but actually I'm not ready. It's like clear that he like wasted her time. She could have kept around people that might have been ready, etc., it just He doesn't come off well from this.
0: Well, what was the catalyst for him to finally come to this realization? Seeing the rings? Was it Neil Lane's pretend piano playing? It was the piano. <laughs> he had to have known this going into this date. He had to have known he wanted out. And so I don't know if it was the producers having conversations with him and they were like, we'll let you get out of it here. We'll give you this ring thing. I don't know what the construction of this was but the way he ultimately played it was terrible absolutely terrible it's kind of an easy wishy-washy out it's not a dramatic moment she says you know if i was younger i'd be pissed off but i understand it i've been through what you've been through and let me walk you out and that's basically it he's not setting himself up really for paradise other than he made it to the top three which is kind of a if you're in that top three it's kind of a guaranteed at least in the conversation. But. He's not setting himself up with any good storyline here. The, I'm still heartbroken over my divorce is like, then why'd you come on the show, dude? In some ways, it's an insult to the game. Certainly, this play is an insult to the fucking game. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel at this point, dude. You got to stick in it. You never take yourself out. One of the basic fundamental rules, never take yourself out. Go out in a blaze of glory, if anything. Just Terrible. Terrible fucking move.
1: He kind of tries to save it with this conversation in the auto zone, which is the area next to the car as you're exiting and says, I wish you every amazing thing that life has to offer. And he does an STCO shoulder to cry on. Um, and Tasha cries into his shoulder. She ITMs that he's the one who made me put my walls down. I just felt like safe with him. And I'm wondering, was this her pick? Was this her ring winner?
0: Totally could have. He says,
1: God bless you, okay? Religious invocation on the way out.
0: Yeah, he totally could have been her ring winner. We'll never know at this point. Unless she reveals it later in a tell-all book. But that's it. Brendan is out of here. And portion number 10 begins the next day. Tasha sits in her kitchen area, no pastries, no donuts this time, but there is a full wooden board of fruit, delicious fruit, enough for five to 10 people to comfortably eat. <laughs> and there is a knock at the door. She goes to answer it. And we have the second Council of Crowns this episode. It's Bachelorette Rachel Lindsay. She walks in and asks Tayshia if she got the clarity she needed from the fantasy suites. Interestingly, about this entire conversation, Rachel sent in with a mission. The producers have told her, we need you to get her to talk about Ben, because we're bringing him back. And Rachel fucking delivers.
1: Rachel is already a million times better than JoJo, just in this conversation. And, side note, she is wearing braids, which I can't remember where... I read this, but I think she said that she had to change her hair for some bachelor wedding or something that she was being brought back for. They didn't want her to have braids. So I thought that was a nice little detail.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But yeah, I totally agree. She, Rachel Lindsay's a fucking pro. She's like, I'm hosting extra. I got a hundred fucking podcasts. You want me to do what? Just go in and have her say something with Ben? Yeah, I can get that done. And she comes in has this fucking conversation and she's like well you know at this point you start thinking back about some of the guys you regret sending home is there anybody like that (laughs) for you and she's like yeah actually this guy Ben. and she's done it rachel's done her job they wrap it up and we now get this little hint that oh shit ben is a storyline again we see Ivan getting ready for the rose ceremony in his ITM. He is forced by the producers to say, once again, we can take over the world. That is now their story as a couple. Zach gets ready for the rose ceremony. And in his ITM, he again says how much he LL4s her. And then Ben emerges in the La Quinta grounds. He's just walking around and he walks up to a door and knocks on it. We don't know if it's Tasha's. Turns out it ain't. This is the same door that Ed brought accidentally knocked on weeks ago. This is the home of the Dark Lord. All of these
1: door misleads. Dark Lord Harrison, by the way, pretends to be surprised here as if he would open the door for a stranger who hasn't been quarantining. The acting here is unbelievable. Oh,
0: is that Ben? Ben, what are you doing here? I thought we sent you home all of this is so stupid they should have just had the scene open with ben sitting across from dlh they should have started it by the way on dlh's face and had him be like are you sure you want to do this that should have been your cliffhanger not ben walking through la quinta it should have been dlh saying to someone that we don't see are you sure you want to do this then we come back from commercial and it's ben saying yes i have to i have to tell her that i love her blah blah, blah. instead they don't they do this Just fucking pure shit version. I'm telling you, the producers... I don't know if it's because of the quarantine or what. The producers on this season, not good. I don't know if they got new ones. I don't know if it's old ones who are just tired. Or again, they don't understand the circumstance. But even just in the editing and the construction of these scenes, they are not getting maximum dramatic value out of any of them. They're just shitting them out. And it feels in some ways like they are shitting them out. Like they're like, fuck it. We just have to fill time until Matt James season. I don't know, but it didn't come across well, but of course d l h talks to Ben, and uh Ben tells him he loves Tasha and it didn't end well. It felt weird, and he wants the chance to talk to her to tell her how he feels
1: and more dragging out of this resurrection, he goes and sits by the pool. No sense of urgency here. <laughs> oh, he has to wait until Tasha is about to do Rose ceremony portion 11 Tasha's prepping for Rose and we finally get the Ben knock knock and he keeps having to ask her questions trying to get to this couch he's like can I come in please she's like of course he's like can we go in she's like yeah and she's like can we sit she's like yeah here's my resurrection couch love love before me now um but he does this long speech uh says I know I'm supposed to be gone you sent me home already I was caught off guard I didn't know what the fuck just happened the feelings that I've had for you I've been describing this entire time I didn't know what it was but I'm in love with you love level four I have been in love with you now I'm starting to get nervous I blew it by not telling you in the moment I've never had this feeling so I was just terrified but I am in love with you like the life we could have together that thought keeps me awake at night I don't even know what I'm doing. I couldn't leave. I had to tell you. Like, I see a life with you. Taisha says, hold on a second. She clasps her face. Ben is like, are you all right? She's like, no, I'm not all right. He says, come here. He holds her hand. Good move. Taisha says, I'm going to need a minute and goes in the other room to talk to a producer. Says, I don't know what to do. Producer says, it's up to you. And Taisha says, there's a rose ceremony. What do I do with that?
0: This conversation had one of those strange shots in it that I was talking about earlier. They're in her living room, essentially, on this couch talking. Many of the shots are taken by camera people standing inches from them just on the other side of the coffee table. Mm -hmm. They cut in one shot one time that is taken from outside the building through the fucking window, through the blinds, as though it is some weird voyeuristic peeping Tom, like a Bennett waiting in the bushes, watching them through the fucking window i don't understand the purpose of that shot it doesn't give you any new visual information and you can still hear them they're using the audio from the mics inside so it's not like they're even giving you a we can't see what they're saying you hear them talking it was just a very weird choice but one of the things that i really took away from this conversation is he says he knows he's supposed to be long gone because she sent him home already absolutely correct why aren't you Oh, because as soon as you got dumped, the producers were like, we're going to put you back in the game in a week. So go in your room, have fun, whatever. We'll let you out at midnight to do some night jogs after everybody else is locked in their rooms. The producers have orchestrated all of this. None of this is his choice. He's now playing their game in the hopes that this will get him a crown or a paradise high sand.
1: I mean, he definitely has a choice. I like, because we see a promo where they are kissing, Mm -hmm. I almost gave this my play of the game, but then I was like, it is so much a producerial thing.
0: So, It's a 100% producers. He can do none of this without them.
1: Yeah, but he delivered it pretty well.
0: Yeah, he's a good player. I'm not knocking him for that. But when he gets eliminated by her that's it you're going home right no a producer then tells you hey you don't have to go home there is another thing you can do here what do you mean well we can bring you back you can tell her you love her if you really love her you should like she should know how you feel right what if she feels the same way and she was just waiting for you to say it first they plant all those ideas in his head and then he comes out Mm -hmm. and literally says all of that to dlh they give you the dialogue all you have to do is deliver it and he did it pretty well but Again, this is all scripted.
1: I mean, I think he definitely like planned out what he was gonna
0: say. With the help of producers. (sighs) How much ITM footage do you think there is of them talking him through this? Fucking hours worth at least. Conversation in the back of the car with the producer as he's leaving. I fucked up. I should have said it. And they're like, Well, maybe you still can. What do you mean? She just dumped me. Well, look, we can do anything. We control the entire game. We can put you back in it. That's what's happened here for sure. Um, but that was it. That was the end of the worst fantasy suites following the worst hometowns we've ever seen. <laughs>
1: and we get a tag. Tasha and Zach apparently had some portrait painting time before they did the body painting. And Zach is doing some more jokes. Needs help. Can't paint a circle. And Tasha's like, what's my favorite color? I just said it. He says, I missed it. I was thinking about myself, which I thought was funny.
0: Yeah, you got a little joke I moment. I feel
1: like he's definitely going to so, win.
0: Uh, he's been my pick for a while. I think he is going to. But uh, I don't know. This season to me is so far, or we got one episode left and I feel like this season, it is so strange. I just have never experienced something like it because there's so much in it that is good and progressive and really, I think, pushing the entire franchise forward. And there's so much yeah. in it that is just technically the worst I've ever seen. This is even worse than like some of those early Bachelor seasons where they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, where they had them like eating dinner on an aircraft carrier and shit and the wind's whipping around. It's fucking like... <laughs> <laughs> Minus ten degrees.
1: I know they keep having scenes next to the fountain, and you can barely hear the audio. I, I, we, I can't. We cannot emphasize enough how much more progressive this is than previous seasons. We have just watched, well, not Bachelorette, but All Bachelor, and there aren't conversations like this before. Never minimal discussion of PTCs. Never humanizing these human issues.
0: And even some of the gameplay this season has been revolutionary. Dale Moss, I'm talking about specifically. He's the IG champion of yeah. this season and obviously a ring winner of this season and really wrecked the game in a way that we've never fucking seen before and may never see again. So there is some kind of valuable gameplay to take away from it, but it really is it's the production of it that is terrible.
1: And by the way, we are going to be getting into our top 10 takeaways from this season uh, on our next Patreon episode that will come out on Monday.
0: Yeah, because there were a lot of things here that are, I mean, beyond historic. I really do think they are cornerstones of, fuck, dare I say it, the next era of the game.
1: Well, I mean, we'll have to see.
0: Time will tell. If but,
1: this is an anomaly.
0: Yeah. But thank you everyone for joining us for our coverage of the second round of playoffs fantasy suites this week. We will be back tomorrow night with coverage of the finale. And thank you again for all the tids that are being sent my way. There were some delicious tids all day long about the Lion Dyke twins. We will be discussing those tids and many others. On our Friday show this week in Bachelor Nation.
1: And now it's time for me to give Clues your Christmas present. (laughs)
0: Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I'm ready.
1: This is, you know, we've been doing the power binge and we have divided the seasons into eras. First two eras classic era, seasons one through three, experimental era. Season four through twelve. This is an ode to the classic and experimental eras. Mm. Alright. On the first day of pit, Miss DLH sent to me. <laughs> Alex Michelle in an oversized suit. <laughs> On the second day of pit, Miss DLH sent to me. Two Aaron Buergies and Michelle in an oversized suit. <laughs> On the third day of Pitmas, D.L.H. sent to me Three firestones, two Aaron Bwergis and Michelle in an oversized suit. <laughs> On the fourth oh day of Pitmas, D.L.H. sent to me Four laughing guineas, three firestones, two Aaron Bwergis and Michelle in an guinea. oversized suit. <laughs> On the fifth day of Pitmas, D.L.H. sent to me 5J Palmers, four, four Laughing Giddies, three Firestones, two Aaron Bergies, and Michelle in an oversized oh my God. suit. Oh my God. On the sixth day of Pittmas, DLH sent to me six Byrons of Fish 5J Palmers. <laughs> Four laughing giddies, three oh, firestones, two Arabbergies and Michelle in an oversized suit on the seventh day of Pit Miss dealer sent to me Seven Charlies joking six oh, Byron's nice. fish and five day palmers Four laughing giddies three firestones two Arabbergies and, and Michelle, Michelle in an, an oversized, oversized suit. suit. The eighth day of pitmas D-H sent to me Eight Storks at Dock and Seven Charlie's joking, six Byron's <laughs> fish and five Jay Palmers Four Laughing Guineas Three Firestones Two Aaron Borghese and Michelle in an <laughs> oversized suit Shit. There's a couple more Alright <laughs> on the Ninth day of pit, <laughs> Miss DLH set to be nine chow, chowborgazies, eight storks and docket, <laughs> seven charlies joking, six pirates fishing, five Jay Palmers, four laughing guineas, three Firestones, two, two Aaron, Aaron Burgess and, and Michelle in an in oversized, oversized suit. suit. I should have made sure my music lined up with the whole song. On the tenth day of Pit miss D L H sent to me ten, Navy Andy's nine, Chowborgies eight, storks a and seven, Charlie's joking six, Byron's fishing five. <laughs> Jay just... Palmers, four laughing kiddies, three firestones, two Arabic and a shell in an oversized suit. This is fucking crazy. On the eleventh day of Pitmas, DLH said to me. Eleven, whoa well, Max first try <laughs> ten, Navy Andy's nine, Chowboard Daisy's eight, Storks, oh, oh, seven, Charlie's joking oh. six, Byron's fishing oh. five, Jay Palmer's, four laughing guineas, three firestones, two Ambergies and Michelle in an oversized suit. On the twelfth day of Pit Miss D L H sent to me. Matt Grants, London Monkey, 11, <laughs> Womack's first try, 10, Baby <laughs> no! Indies, 9, Taborgazes, like 8, monkey. Storks, dock Dockin', 7, oh. toes joking 6, Pirates, fishing 5, Day Palmers, 4, Laughing Guineas, 3, Firestones, 2, Aaron Bwergis, and Michelle in an oversized suit.
0: That was incredible. Really... <laughs> the best christmas thank present you. i have ever received thank you very much <laughs> fuck four laughing guineas that was probably my favorite line in it that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh god damn i don't know matt grant's monkey is pretty good too that was astounding i hope everyone else out there enjoyed that thank as much you. as i did jesus fucking christ <laughs>
1: they're like who are all those people <laughs> those are your first 12 those bachelors in a row. first 12 bachelors um I really should have practiced that song, but anyway, (laughs) Merry Christmas, Clues.
0: (laughs) Merry Christmas. We made it to another one, and uh, hopefully a thousand more to come. Before we go, what's that dweb at?
1: It has been 6,847 days without a Black Bachelor.
0: Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in Quince. I got the shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, You're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious, award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out.